The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to P.I.'s Declassified, an inside look at the world of private investigators. Your host is Francie Kaler, a noted private investigator. Francie and her guests take you behind the scenes and into the genuine, sometimes gritty business of investigation. You'll hear stories from the trenches with plenty of surprises. Here's your host, Francie Kaler. Good morning and welcome to P.I.'s Declassified. Today our topic is investigating counterfeit products. This is such an interesting topic. Street vendors all over the world sell brand name products. Most of the time, they're not the real thing. They look like the real thing, so don't buy, why not buy them for cheap and fool your friends? And then, of course, with the internet, Craigslist, eBay, they've made it increasingly simple for counterfeiters, brand counterfeiters, to sell their products. But again, why not buy them for cheap? Why not fool your friends? The products are often lesser quality, so we're going to talk about this with Mark Kusek, who specializes in uh, investigating counterfeit products. So, Mark, welcome to the show. Thank you, Francie. Thank you for having me on board. Absolutely. And Mark, you're calling in from Vancouver, British Columbia, correct? That's correct. Well, thank you for, for taking the time. Now, are you, uh, what time zone are you on there? We're on the same time zone as you. Okay. All right. Well, that works. Uh, Mark, tell us a little bit about uh, your business and how you got started doing this work. Certainly, Frenzy. I don't uh, believe that uh, many of your listeners will remember back to the uh, dawn of the Industrial Revolution, but that (laughs) is uh, when I got my start in the investigational business uh, working for a large insurance company. Uh, I worked uh, as an insurance adjuster. Uh, During that period of time, I've learned the sort of many layers of investigational procedure. Uh, After I rose to the rank of a manager for a number of years with this company, I left and worked for an independent adjusting firm here in Vancouver and proceeded to do the same thing. My real sort of niche or the enjoyment of uh, that part of the business was the investigation. So along with my wife, Alona, we branched out and started uh, Cusick and Cusick, which was a sort of a multifaceted mom-and-pop private investigating firm. It certainly was a family business. I uh, conscripted uh, my young daughter and my son uh, to work in the business uh, after their school hours. Uh, and they spent many years working. My son continued working in the business, and as a matter of fact, uh, a little bit of heavy heart for me. He leaves this week uh, to Kansas City uh, to start uh, four years of medical school. Oh, wow. It's uh, it's been a long process. It was just my wife and I, and now uh, we've grown to over 20 employees, and this year marks our 20th year in business. Wow, that's that's amazing. So, um, all right, so you were in the insurance business. Now, you worked for um, um, a company. What was the name of the company that that you were working for when you left the insurance 
Uh, it was an independent adjusting firm. It was uh, called Paul Brown and Associates. Uh, okay. Once again, it was a uh, sort of a multifaceted uh, uh, adjusting firm that did all types of investigation. I specialize in the liability uh, investigation uh, with the firm. And the and the um, insurance people that you were toward, that was the Insurance Corporation of British Columbia? That's correct. In, in British Columbia, we have a government-run insurance company, uh, which works very well up here, and uh, they uh, provide uh, automobile insurance coverage uh, for uh, all uh, people of British Columbia, and uh, it uh, leaves a lot of time for investigation to the adjuster, investigator. Uh, during that period of time, I had contact with many private investors investigators who uh, the insurance corporation would use to help investigate accidents, and I sort of uh, built up a a relationship with these people, which interested me very much as a place for me to hang my hat in future years. Yeah. And what are the requirements for getting uh, licensed as a PI in British Columbia? Well, aside from the early years when it required three box tops uh, (laughs) uh, to mail in, Right now, that was also during the Industrial Revolution, correct? <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, we now have in British Columbia, thanks to uh, our uh, organization, the Private Investigators Association of British Columbia, uh, sort of a, a stepping stone uh, procedure where you have to take a uh, test or course uh, to receive a license under supervision. Uh, once you complete over 2,000 hours of uh, investigational work, uh, you're allowed to uh, receive a full license. Uh, all across Canada, most of the provinces, or 10 provinces and three territories, are regulated. Some of the territories, I don't think that uh, you, could, you could just claim that you're a private investigator, and that's good enough. Uh, mm-hmm. But most of the provinces across uh, Canada are tightly regulated, and certainly in British Columbia, I think we're in the forefront of uh, educational process, continuing education, and uh, licensing requirements. I'm, it's it's so nice to hear that, Mark, because you know we get we get often so slammed by uh, people that think that <laughs> we're the bad guys when we're actually the good guys helping out people most the majority of the time. Absolutely. You know, uh, a show like your, uh, yours uh, certainly puts in the light of what private investigators should be doing, uh, puts more of a professional uh, edge to what we're doing. And I think that uh, whether you're in California or New York or uh, in British Columbia, trying to promote that as an aspect uh, of the business is so important. I belong to our organization, the World Association of Detectives. Uh, mm-hmm. These guys are the greatest uh, bunch of guys in the world, and Absolutely. every one of them and every country uh, that belongs to this organization, they try to promote the professional aspect. You know, it's the general public that uh, has so many TV shows uh, exactly. that make up their mind what a private investigator does, and, you know, I'm just waiting for that day to get my Ferrari and Perhaps I'll be happy. <laughs> yeah. I'm waiting too, Mark. I just don't understand why I don't have it yet. <laughs> so, uh, so how did you how did you go from with the uh, I, well, I guess Paul Brown and Associates is how you, where you got your PI experience in. They're exactly. the ones that exactly. Okay, okay, all right. And then, um, so how long have you been in business now? Did you say it's uh, this year marks our twentieth year in business. Okay. 
Okay. Well, congratulations. Thank you very much. That's a, that's a nice milestone. And I know you publish ar- articles all the time on what you do. Um, one of our sponsors, PI Magazine, uh, was one place you published, and, and Pursuit Magazine, which is an online magazine. Exactly. We have a, uh, our website, uh, cusick.ca, we're very, very active on writing uh, blogs uh, uh, just about weekly. Uh, during the summer months, we perhaps slow down, and that's my fault, but uh, we have a variety of subject, subjects from counterfeiting to surveillance to personal protection. Uh, we're very active on Twitter, uh, and uh, we constantly put out uh, links to other information that would help other private investigators and the general public to understand the nature of our business. And I'll bet our listeners would be interested in reading your blog. Can you give them uh give the information on how to get there? Uh, just uh, go to cusick.ca. Uh, that brings up our website, and there's a header bar that uh, has blogs. And, uh, oh, my Lord, I, we've got quite a few uh, blogs there. Uh, oh, really? Some okay. of the blogs are a little bit narcissistic where uh, <laughs> I'm uh, complimenting uh, the my employees or... Uh, uh, at the same time, we celebrated 20 years uh, in business. It was also 20 years of marriage to my wonderful wife, Alona. Uh, uh-huh. So I wrote a blog about that. But the rest of the blog stick to the subjects of uh, what private investigators do uh, in the world of counterfeiting, the world of surveillance, personal protection. Uh, we do work as a business evaluations, which is sort of like a secret shopper type thing uh, for businesses. So it's kind of a cornucopia of all different kinds of things. Uh, for people to learn about our business and certainly about cybercrime and so on and so forth. That's great. Now, for uh, those of you that have just come across the show and don't know how to spell Cusick, it's K-U-S-I-C. Am I saying this right? Yeah. So K-U-S-I-C.ca. Correct. Okay. All right. So, um, and so how did you get into this crazy world of ferreting out counterfeit products? Well, you know, we uh, have over the years uh, uh, dabbled in doing uh, bits of work for local companies, uh, stores, in terms of they felt that their uh, 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 products were being uh, duplicated. Uh, And as it turns out, uh, my wonderful daughter, Alicia, uh, took on a job in... uh, Human uh, 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 Relations uh, Department of a large manufacturing firm, and Mm -hmm. uh, she put me in contact with their uh, intellectual property manager. Uh, We made a connection uh, from there. It just went from zero to 60 in a blink of an eye. We were introduced to their uh, legal counsel who had a a smorgasbord of other country, uh, companies that uh, did the or had the same type of problems as this manufacturing uh, company did, and from there was uh, just learning the ropes and different uh, ways that uh, brand manufacturers want to have their investigations done. And that's obviously the important part is understanding what the client wants and how to get from point A to point Z. Exactly. Now, so. At- Mark, I brought up the question, why not buy, you know, you see, you know, what looks like exactly the same product at a, on a street vendor or in a, uh, a store in a tur- tourist area, why not buy that? Well, 
Uh, Francie, when people, uh, I, I always uh, stick to my mind when I uh, have some friends who live in Italy uh, by Rome, and my wife and I are uh, an absolute in love with this uh, city and country. And when you walk through the streets of Rome, you see blankets uh, throughout the streets where people are selling uh, Louis Vuitton purses or mm-hmm. Coach purses or uh, Chanel or... Uh, uh, Ray-Ban sunglasses, and instinctively, the average uh, person knows that these are counterfeit or stolen or whatever. And this is what we've kind of morphed into uh, right now. Everyone purchases uh, a majority of their goods on the internet, and these uh, sites that are on the internet are virtually the little blankets that you see in Rome or any other. Uh, country. Now, why shouldn't you buy these? Certainly the high-end uh, high items you know are not going to be of the same quality, but counterfeiters are pretty smart. They've attacked and gone after the mid-range to low-range items, and quite frankly, uh, some of their uh, reproductions are quite good. The problem is when not when you buy a clothing item which could deteriorate or break or deconstruct, but is when you're buying, say, liquor or uh, medical goods. All these things are counterfeited. Uh, Mm -hmm. If you have something that is properly uh, uh, not carefully made, and certainly all the things that are counterfeit are not, you can wind up sick. You have all kinds of liability uh, problems, and uh, as a result, your mind is thinking, gee, I purchased this product, which is a name product, and at the end of the day, it failed me or I got sick. And you, you say to yourself, I'm never going to buy this again. Yeah, you brought up a really good point about the, the medical uh, products. Uh, we need to take a, just a quick break, but I want to talk about that when we come back. Okay. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Need to hire a private investigator? Ask for their professional association affiliations. When an investigator asks Francie Kaler about associations, she says to first join a state trade association. Francie belongs to the California Association of Licensed Investigators, or CALI. It's the largest association of its kind in the world. CALI's main focus is networking, training, and legislative advocacy. If you need a detective in California, contact CALI at cali-pi.org or call 1-800-350-CALI. For a national association, Francie's choice is the National Council of Investigation and Security Services, or NCISS. For over 35 years, the council's primary mission has been to represent its members before the United States Congress and governmental agencies. Find the council at NCISS.org or call 1-800-445-8408. NCISS and Cali are great places to look for a qualified private investigator. Tell them you heard it from Francie on PI's Declassified. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com 
You're listening to P.I.'s Declassified with Francie Kaler. You can call into the program. We'll take questions and comments at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You can also email your question to Francie. Send it to francie at pisdeclassified.com. Now, here's Francie Kaler. Army investigator Mark Cusick is here to talk about imitation products, counterfeit products. And Mark, you were just saying, you know, we're naming off various products. I don't think the majority of people know. I mean, they might know that a Rolex sold on a blanket might be a fake, I would suspect. Mm -hmm. However, uh, I don't necessarily think they believe that ordering medications from the Internet that they'll get counterfeits. Well, Francie, if you went through the list of things that uh, were counterfeited, I, I think people would stay awake uh, all night uh, in worry. Uh, the adage of uh, manufacturers uh, is if uh, you can make it, someone can fake it. Uh, and this includes absolutely everything from uh, uh, food, uh, from uh, military equipment, uh, to uh, in China, they even have uh, landmarks that are replicas uh, of uh, different things. Mind you, so does Las Vegas. I don't know how that works out, but uh, <laughs> uh, there's fossils. I mean, when people talk about counterfeit, uh, they initially think about money or perhaps a fake yeah. meaning. Uh, but the uh, amount of counterfeit products out there, uh, and certainly the number ones are apparel items, uh, whether they be from handbags to accessories, to footwear, uh, to clothing articles. These are the easiest to put into the system and to get the most amount of money. And they can be replicated uh, to a pretty high degree. Well, and, you know, and I, um, I heard this. I don't know whether it's true or not, but I heard that some of the manufacturers in third-world countries are contracted to, to make the real product, and then they also make another product that they sell themselves. Well, the idea of products becomes extremely complicated because uh, a lot of uh, clothing manufacturers uh, will contract to third world countries. They will ask a manufacturer to produce, say, a half a million pieces of a certain article. And that manufacturer may produce uh, 600 a thousand pieces of that particular item. Now he's got a hundred thousand pieces left over, uh, and he puts it into the market. There's a lot of gray market items uh, that uh, filtrate through every city uh, in the world, and these are authentic uh, pieces of equipment, whether they're sunglasses or clothing, but they're destined for other areas and uh, they are either hijacked or stolen and they wind up, say, in Los Angeles or New York or Vancouver and are sold. It's nearly impossible for the average consumer to know what is counterfeit and what isn't. I mean, my only advice that I would give the average uh, Joe public is to buy from an authorized dealer. Be very careful, especially on big ticket items. I would suggest that anyone right now in their house has counterfeit items right now. I'm sure that's true. So, so Mark, why is it important? I mean, why, why do the real manufacturers care? Well, 
it's uh, the brand manufacturers uh, are care on many different levels. Number one is that it's their intellectual property is meant to. I guess the philosophy is to be sold in their stores uh, by their salespeople. Now you have a group of people that say, "I'm going to sell it online," which the majority of uh, most counterfeit products are sold on an online basis. Really, you're getting an inferior quality of uh, a product that. Uh, could rip or or tear or after one washing shrink or uh, fade in color. And now that consumer says, gee, you know, I've purchased this and uh, I, uh, you know, I don't like this product anymore. The most alarming part is from a liability standpoint. If there's a failure of the product, there's been court cases in the U.S. where someone has purchased a counterfeit article, it has failed uh, has caused an injury, and that person has sued the original manufacturer for not doing due diligence in protecting the brand image. And then how does the company protect themselves from that? Well, they, they, there's various different ways. They, if most of the stuff that is uh, produced offshore, they rely on uh, customs and police to perhaps catch things that are coming through the ports on an illegal basis. Uh, they have a slew of legal counsel to uh, perhaps uh, find out which uh, parties are selling that. And then, of course, their, I feel their biggest strength is private investigators. Uh, private investigators can do online research. They can do market surveys where they would go to a group of stores or a night market or a flea market to see if those products are there and certainly to make contact with any potential counterfeiters, uh, make a buy, and hopefully uh, confirm whether the product is counterfeit or not, and then get a cease and desist order from uh, the legal counsel and shut it down. It can't be stopped. If you're a private investigator thinking, like I did naively, that I'm going to be the Arnold Schwarzenegger of uh, <laughs> stopping the world from counterfeiting, it can't be done. That All didn't work for is, you. <laughs> that didn't work for you, huh? <laughs> well, exactly. All you're doing is playing whack-a-mole. You are stopping the little things that pop up, and a lot of uh, uh, managers our company owners like to think that if they get tired of being sort of harassed by their legal counsel or private investigators, they'll move on to another brand product mm-hmm. and leave theirs alone. Because it, it just, uh, you can't beat the amount of counterfeit. I think Forbes magazine said it's the most profitable business in the world. That's amazing. So where do you get your work, Mark? And where, if a private investigator wanted to specialize in this area, what would you advise? Well, you know, uh, when I started off, I I naively thought that it was a a closed-end shop. But as it turns out, uh, thankfully, through the connection of my daughter, uh, I realized that it's uh, the world's uh, an oyster for private investigators. Anyone that lives in a city where anything is manufactured, any uh, place that uh, has a specific uh, brand or an intellectual property, and it can be anything. I mean, you can let your imagination go uh, crazy. You can introduce yourself through either email or through a contact of services that you can provide to these uh, brand manufacturers. Uh, The best results are usually through legal counsel because they sort of 
handle a group of uh, manufacturers, and it's easy for them to get used to uh, a particular uh, private investigating firm in a particular city. And it's not to say that uh, through networking through other PI firms that uh, you can certainly make contact uh, with someone in uh, Hong Kong or someone in Rome or someone in London or someone in New York. Uh, I always say that, uh, which I mentioned earlier, the World Association of Detectives, a great bunch of guys. These guys will do anything for you in terms of helping you pursue uh, whatever needs to be done. And it it uh, makes a private investigator more valuable, another tool in his uh, tool chest to uh, help uh, do his business. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, what kind of skills would you say are, are really important in this line of work? Well, they're the, like any private investigating uh, uh, sort of headline job, it would be the ability to investigate, know where to go, know what to look for, certainly to listen to your client's needs. I feel that of all the private investigators that are out there, 99% of them can do this. It's just making that contact, listening to your client, and uh, going forward with that. I mean, it's a you have to have, a, I guess, a wide variety of people that uh, can... Uh, do things for you. Uh, I mean, I can't walk into a store and uh, buy a young person's uh, clothing. I mean, I'm 65 years old. I probably will arrest me as I came into the door. Uh, so if you have a, a, a sort of a, a group, a collective group of investigators that are male, female, uh, that are uh, confident in themselves, they can walk in, make the purchases. Uh, so it's that ability to get the uh, purchase necessary and then go forward with a cease and desist or have the police involved in it. And the same thing applies if you're buying it online as well? Well, online's a little bit different because uh, I can certainly buy things online. I can pretend to be anyone. Uh, and this is always the case. The people online are extremely uh, tricky. They're uh, uh, IP address changes on a constantly constant basis. They can get a cease and desist order from a law firm, and then they'll pop up. Uh, one day they'll be in British Columbia. The next day they'll be on. Ontario. Next day they'll be have an IP address out of Los Angeles. So it's making the purchase as a uh, under a pseudonym, looking at the purchase price, uh, looking at the type of article that you've purchased, and then seeing if your client wants to buy uh, articles in volume. And once you start buying in volume, you know that you have someone that is importing a lot of counterfeit uh, goods. And does the company front you the money to buy the products? No. <laughs> we, uh, yeah. <laughs> we've okay. never been in that situation where, uh, I mean, we're pretty good with uh, purchasing uh, large sums of products. I, I don't know what it would be like if someone said uh, there was counterfeit Ferraris out there. I don't know why I'm stuck on Ferrari. <laughs> it's too much of uh, the Rockford not Magnum P.I., but uh, if there came to a point where it was a uh, non-clothing uh, issue and we're talking perhaps uh, pharmaceuticals or uh, perhaps uh, large amounts of liquor, then you would have to have something uh, prearranged with the 
right. company to see how they want to do. A lot of these companies like to set up sting operations. They become involved with uh, other companies where they try to find out who's supplying what to who. If someone is selling one type of uh, clothing wear, they're usually selling multitudes of different clothing wear. So it's to the advantage and cost-effective to the brand manufacturer to team up and uh, shut things down, at least on a temporary basis. Well, and, and if really it boils down to if the company doesn't protect their own product, then it loses credibility. And, if, and, and isn't it true if they, don't, um, if they don't start protecting it and they, they wait years down the road and then decide they want to do it, it's a little late? Absolutely. You, you know, the biggest problems I find are the products that are manufactured on a short-term basis, uh, things that perhaps you see uh, these commercials uh, as seen on TV. If I see something that says as seen on TV product or whatever it is from garden equipment to sunglasses, I don't know how these people overseas do. They have it uh, produced within 24 hours and they're flooding the market with it. And, of course, the... uh, product is substandard, and a poor guy who may have had a really good idea to produce this article, I mean, people are reviewing the article, and it's, it's not very good, and he loses money, and that's his claim to fame. Okay. We need to take another break. Mark, don't go away. Right, Mark's going to discuss more about this really interesting area of counterfeit products. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Need to hire a private investigator? Ask for their professional association affiliations. When an investigator asks Francie Kaler about associations, she says to first join a state trade association. Francie belongs to the California Association of Licensed Investigators, or CALI. It's the largest association of its kind in the world. Cali's main focus is networking, training, and legislative advocacy. If you need a detective in California, contact Cali at cali-pi.org or call 1-800-350-CALI. For a national association, Francie's choice is the National Council of Investigation and Security Services, or NCISS. For over 35 years, the council's primary mission has been to represent its members before the United States Congress and governmental agencies. Find the council at NCISS.org or call 1-800-445-8408. NCISS and Cali are great places to look for a qualified private investigator. Tell them you heard it from Francie on PIs Declassified. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to P.I.'s Declassified with Francie Kaler. You can call into the program. We'll take questions and comments at 1-866-472-5788. 
That's 1-866-472-5788. You can also email your question to Francie. Send it to francie at pisdeclassified.com. Now, here's Francie Kaler. Mark Kusick, an expert on counterfeit products, is here talking about how to go about investigating and finding out uh, all about counterfeit products. So I know you've got uh, some interesting cases, Mark. Give us some examples of of what we're talking about. What we uh, mentioned, Francie, uh, off the air is that we've had uh, uh, numerous cases across uh, Canada where we've sent our investigators. Uh, I've, we have uh, a manager that uh, uh, I've uh, tortured by sending to the ends of the earth in uh, <laughs> eastern Canada uh, where he's had to make uh, large purchases of certain clothing items uh, in very rural conditions, and this is sort of uh, typical of uh, where these articles are sold. It's very rare that you see in a uh, uh, urban uh, setting where someone has set up shop to uh, sell uh, counterfeit goods. It's usually in the rural areas where a lot of this stuff is being sold because no one's checking on it. It's uh, very rare that someone uh, is going to come from the uh, brand manufacturer. Uh, they import the stuff directly from China. It gets through, uh, and then they make the mistake of either uh, posting an ad on Craigslist or one of the uh, eBay or uh, a local newspaper, and uh, we do a lot of research online. We pick up on that and we monitor it for a while and wait for direction from the uh, brand manufacturer to go and make a purchase, Uh, which we have many times. It's usually straightforward. We usually have a blank uh, cease and desist order uh, that is signed by legal counsel. We just fill in the date and time. We confiscate uh, the articles uh, in the store. Uh, We usually make a... Uh, preliminary uh, walk into the store to find out what's the uh, situation, whether the investigator is going to be able to make the purchase safely. Uh, On several occasions, we've uh, enlisted the help of uh, local uh, police, uh, which have been really, really great. We've got a really good working relationship with the Royal Canadian Mounted Police and local police where uh, they're more than glad to assist us and making sure that we confiscate the goods. And of now, course, let me ask, let me ask you, Mark. Do you have to have the cease and desist order to get the uh, law enforcement involved? Uh, no, we don't. Uh, usually, the uh, well to to uh, uh, get the articles out of the store, we have to serve upon the store owner or the person selling it a cease and desist order. We ask for the goods to be returned. I suspect that a person could say, no, I'm not going to give them to you, and then you'd, you would have a problem mm-hmm. at that point. Uh, hopefully and uh, that they will pass them on to you. If not, with the police presence, they usually can uh, give them to you. Is this um, often organized crime as well? Well, the organized crime aspect comes uh, directly from the Internet. I believe that most of the people, especially in Canada, are small-time store owners that are looking to sell a a product at a lower cost. Uh, Even the people on the Internet are uh, small-time operators. 
the organized crime aspect uh, usually uh, happens overseas where the uh, articles are manufactured. Interesting. So, um, and, and probably your companies often don't want, they don't want to get just the vendor, this little guy that's on the corner or uh, that's selling it. They, they really want to go after the guy that's selling it to them. Well, yes and no. Uh, as I said earlier, a lot of uh, uh, manufacturers like to go after the little guy because that is uh, uh, the way to uh, shut down any further selling. A number of years ago, uh, I believe that uh, New York City had a uh, high crime rate. I think that the mayor, Giuliano, uh, decided in order to fight crime, he was going to go after the small crime, the jaywalkers, the mm-hmm. litterers, uh, the people that created the really minor stuff. And that's what he did. And apparently crime overall decreased in New York City. And a lot of manufacturers uh, take that aspect where if they go after the little guy, he's not going to sell it anymore. And if he's not selling it, he's not ordering it online. I'm amazed how much gets through Canadian customs, U.S. customs, it's unbelievable. I mean, there, there's just so much traffic wow. of goods coming through on a daily basis. They can't uh, catch all the stuff. Amazing. Well, give us a, give us a case that uh, you can show what you're talking about. Well, in particular, I mentioned that uh, we had a uh, clothing manufacturer asked us to head out to Nova Scotia on the uh, east coast of uh, Canada and mm-hmm. up to uh, New Brunswick, uh, a province uh, above that. And uh, there was two uh, stores selling, two different stores, not related to each other, selling a particular set of goods. Uh, our uh, investigator went out to these stores and uh, spotted the merchandise, came back the next day after contacting the uh, local police, went in and uh, confiscated the goods. Now, one of the stores, the owner of the store uh, was a car accident victim. He had severe burns and uh, my investigator said he looked pretty scary guy. He was a, he was a big guy. And uh, he uh, put up a little bit of fuss to have the articles uh, uh, taken out of the store, but they did. Now, at the end of the day, you thought, wow, this is really great work. Now my investigator has six, 700 pieces of clothing, <laughs> and he has to get it back to Vancouver, to the manufacturer. Right. So, of course, uh, calling up the local airlines, the cost of sending all that stuff uh, was prohibited. So... Uh, uh, we had to send it back by bus, but uneventful, but successful, uneventful in terms of the excitement aspect, but certainly successful in terms of shutting down both of these uh, store owners in terms of what they were selling. The biggest uh, uh, victories come on the Internet. There's, uh, Francie, there is so much out there that it just uh, hurts your head to uh, even think about it. These people uh, sell all the time. I mean, Craigslist, uh, eBay, they all have uh, safeguards in place that uh, you're not allowed to uh, sell these goods, but they manage to to get through. I mean, one of the biggest uh, sort of uh, places to purchase uh, counterfeit goods is on the Alibaba website. 
They try to police it. They do a pretty good job. But uh, just about, I think, every article being sold on Alibaba is uh, counterfeit. Uh, so it's pretty difficult to uh, police. Uh, the only thing you can do uh, from a private investigator standpoint is uh, take direction from your client and hopefully uh, do what you can do uh, in a sort of a localized area. You are not going to be able to shut these places down uh, at the manufacturing point. It's impossible. Now, I know in California, I don't know about other places, but in California, this is a strict liability uh, crime. And if, you, uh, if you're caught doing it, uh, you can demand damages uh, by just filing a simple uh, federal lawsuit. Mm-hmm. Well, there are, there? There are uh, cities, New York, London, Paris, that have uh, uh, enacted laws that uh, give uh, strict fines for the average Joe public just purchasing these counterfeit goods. The purchasers, really? Absolutely. In Paris, they have a maximum fine of 473,000 euros for wow. picking something up off the street. I can't even get my head around that amount of No, money. I can't either. <laughs> but oh, the so liability much. aspects certainly are, are the biggest uh, uh, reason uh, why brand manufacturers need to really be uh, policing uh, what they're selling. And, uh, you know, the most logical way, uh, and I think I've, at this point I feel the only way, is to use a private investigator. We are the boots on the ground. We are yeah. the people that can be out on the street. Uh, we're good at, uh, most private investigators are good at what they're doing, and uh, especially doing an investigation, knowing uh, how to go about purchasing these things. Uh, it is a plus for any manufacturer to uh, hire a private investigator. So um, if you wanted to start out in this kind of work, where would you start, Mark? I mean, would you just start calling companies? What would you do? Well, you, you can, I mean, it's always, uh, uh, I guess, where do you live? You know, is there manufacturing uh, in the area, I would assume that everybody who lives in a city or in most areas, there's something that is being manufactured. And you don't have to limit yourself to clothing. Uh, you can, whatever's being manufactured out there, it can be counterfeited. Uh, certainly finding out who the, uh, intellectual uh, property manager is, uh, getting a letter of introduction out there, and uh, hopefully uh, going forward with that. Again, uh, being educated as to uh, what is counterfeited, uh, being part of organizations. Uh, We also belong to the International Trademark Association. Great organization, great place to network with manufacturer. Every brand manufacturer belongs to this organization perfect place to schmooze and to uh, hand out your business cards and to say that uh, I can do something for you. Well, you know, to me, the scary part is uh, people that are counterfeiting liquor and medical uh, medical products, pharmaceuticals. Mm-hmm. That is, that's scary. And that, you know, because that means people could die. Absolutely. And once again, this comes down strictly to a liability uh, issue uh, with the original manufacturer. I mean, they can take the position that, hey, I didn't manufacture this uh, 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 pharmaceutical good. I didn't manufacture this uh, uh, vodka or whiskey. But sometimes the courts will rule to say you didn't do enough to protect 
what you were making. You didn't mm-hmm. do that due diligence to make sure that you uh, uh, did something so that the articles couldn't be produced, exactly. uh, reproduced. Uh, you're not going to get everything. It's you know, it's like uh, the basic liability issue uh, in a supermarket. If someone slips on a wet floor, uh, if the supermarket has something in place where every 15 minutes something is cleaned up, yeah, they may miss the old lady slipping on the wet thing, a wet floor, but they've had something in place. And that's what brand manufacturers need to do is to have something in place and at least to show that they want to stop this. Okay. Okay. That's good. Uh, more to come with, with PI Mark Cusick from British Columbia. We'll be right back. Stay tuned. Need to hire a private investigator? Ask for their professional association affiliations. When an investigator asks Francie Kaler about associations, she says to first join a state trade association. Francie belongs to the California Association of Licensed Investigators, or CALI. It's the largest association of its kind in the world. CALI's main focus is networking, training, and legislative advocacy. If you need a detective in California, contact CALI at cali-pi.org or call one 800 350 C-A-L-I. For a national association, Francie's choice is the National Council of Investigation and Security Services, or NCISS. For over 35 years, the council's primary mission has been to represent its members before the United States Congress and governmental agencies. Find the council at NCISS.org or call 1-800-445-8408. NCISS and Cali are great places to look for a qualified private investigator. Tell them you heard it from Francie on PI's Declassified. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You're listening to PI's Declassified with Francie Kaler. You can call into the program. We'll take questions and comments at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You can also email your question to Francie. Send it to francie at pisdeclassified.com. Now, here's Francie Kaler. Mark and I are back talking about counterfeit products. And I think, uh, Mark, I think we'd be remiss if we didn't say that um, this is a legal process. You have to work this up just like evidentiary information on any case because you have to be prepared at some point that this may end up in a court of law. Absolutely. Uh, We're very strict in terms of uh, when we make a purchase or or, uh, pick up a counterfeit article as to uh, how the chain of evidence is presented Mm -hmm. uh, from uh, the investigator who's uh, made the purchase to getting it to the uh, manufacturer. Uh, there's different ways we tag the clothes, we photograph the clothes, uh, we make sure that they're, they're put into uh, sealed containers that uh, we can document that uh, are not touched. Uh, if we do any videotaping, which we do do, we use uh, pinhole equipment, whether they're key fobs or glasses, of making the purchase. We have to be knowledgeable in the fact that uh, how we filmed it, uh, what type of equipment we use to film it. Uh, civil law uh, sometimes has now morphed itself into 
burden of proof that is equal almost to criminal law. Mm-hmm. Uh, a, a lot of counsel who will argue on behalf of the counterfeiter will say, well, uh, my uh, client was tricked into it, or you didn't uh, properly respect uh, the privacy laws of a particular jurisdiction. So it's incumbent upon the private investigator to certainly know the, the lay of the land, the, the laws, and I think most private investigators do. It's just right. uh, following the strict uh, adherence to making sure that uh, you do the job and you do it correctly. And the evidence has to be gathered legally. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, the, uh, I, I suppose at the end of the day, what does the manufacturer want? He wants that person selling those goods to stop selling those goods. Right. Uh, if there is going to be a monetary award, uh, they know that this person is not going to be able to uh, compensate the manufacturer for, for anything. They just want to put him into a legal uh, tangle to make him or prevent him from continuing uh, his uh, or hers bad boy or bad girl behavior. And I, I know you're always asked, Mark, if you can do things that, that private investigators can't do just like any other person can't do, like, you know, wiretapping and things like that. Oh, absolutely. I mean, this is, of course, one of the fallacies of of, uh, of uh, what people's conception of a private investigator is. I mean, every uh, uh, state, uh, every province uh, has uh, rules in terms of privacy, information gathering. Uh, here in Canada, we have extremely strict rules in terms of privacy, extremely strict rules in terms of what we can or can't do. Uh, when I always converse with someone uh, south of the border uh, in your country <laughs> as to what they can do, uh, I'm always amazed that they're allowed to get all this information. So I feel that we have to work harder as private investigators in Canada. Uh, I don't want to toot your horn and say, does that make it better? Maybe it does. I don't know. Yeah. Well, and, and it is interesting. I mean, we can't, we can't pretend like that we're a police officer, for example. We can't, uh, we can't access somebody's telephone records. Correct. And people, people think we, do, we can, but, uh, but, you know, it's not possible, at least not possible legally. And, well, it, uh, it, it never ceases to amaze me when I talk to a client. If you're talking on a professional level to, say, legal counsel, they pretty well in tune as to what a private investigator can do. Uh, If you talk to a brand manufacturer for the first time, they're under the opinion that you can do anything, and that's Mm -hmm. where you have to sort of set them straight, educate them in terms of uh, what can be done and what can't be done. Uh, A lot of times they feel that uh, they can get away with uh, hiring a private investigator and all their troubles will be gone. And it, it doesn't work doesn't that work way. Out that way. Yeah, just doesn't work that way. Well, Mark, we're almost at the end of the show here. What uh, what summary comments would you have? What, what would what advice would you give to uh, either a private investigator who's looking at expanding their business into this area, or to a company that maybe wants to protect their products? Well, certainly the advice to a private investigator is that this is a line of work that can be done. 
you need to educate yourself. I can't emphasize the importance of that. You need to network with uh, different organizations, different private investigators. To the uh, manufacturers, it's a necessity. I mean, everything uh, in today's world, uh, the bottom line is, how much is this going to cost me? But everyone knows that out of $1 of sales that they have for their brand, that a certain percentage has to go for insurance, uh, for liability. Uh, for some aspect of that to get the product out. And one of that, that aspect is to make sure that their brand, their intellectual property is protected. And I feel that, uh, I strongly feel that a private investigator is the best person to deliver those goods. Yeah. And, you know, I think what the, what the really important thing that you said, Mark, is about the liability. Even if the company did not manufacture this fake product, they still could be liable. Absolutely. And, that's scary. and, and it goes even further in terms of the, the, con- the conception of what the general public feels of that product. They buy a product that is uh, uh, counterfeit. It leaves a bad taste in their mouth. If that product fails, uh, even if the original manufacturer, the real manufacturer says, hey, you bought a counterfeit article, come in, we'll do something to make you feel better about it, they may not want to. That's, that's right. You know, you know I, I think back about the, uh, we probably all remember the, the cases where people died from taking Tylenol that was contaminated by a person that was evidently mentally ill. But had that been a counterfeit Tylenol, for example, and people died, that would damage them for years. It would be hard to recover. That's right. I mean, we rely a lot on our uh, governments in terms of uh, what is being presented to us, especially uh, in pharmaceutical goods. I'm always skeptical about uh, generic brands as to where that they came from. Uh, and the same with liquor, uh, no-name brand beers, wines, uh, hard liquor. You have to suspect uh, that uh, something's not right somewhere. Yeah, yeah. And it's, a, it's a, for the consumer to understand that it is definitely a buyer beware. Uh, there is no discount on high-end goods. Uh, so if you're getting that 50, uh, 60% off on a Louis Vuitton purse, it's not happening. It's not real. It's, mm-hmm. uh, it's a real thing. And uh, if you go on to purchase that, you have to know in your heart that that is a counterfeit good. That's a, that's a really good point. And, and, it, I, and it does perpetuate, uh, you know, organized crime. Uh, it has been shown to perpetuate terrorism uh, throughout the world. That is a, a funnel piece to uh, bring dollars into people that are using the uh, money for Ill, Ill means. That is another very interesting point. <laughs> that is, that it's, well, and that's where you know, not only organized crime, but you're talking about terrorism. And that's a scary thought because uh, they probably have, the terrorists now <laughs> probably have more money than all the rest of us put together. Exactly, exactly. All right. Well, thank you so much, Mark. It's been just delightful talking to you. And I appreciate you being on the show today. Absolute pleasure on my behalf. And uh, thank you very much for allowing me to uh, give my spiel about counterfeiting and how to stop it and perhaps to uh, give an interest to other private investigators as a uh, way to uh, uh, make a living. Yes, and this is a worldwide problem, so anyone in the world could take this on. Absolutely. Once again, thank you very much. 
Yeah, thanks to our Laurel sponsor too, PI Magazine. If you're interested in advertising, please contact uh, please contact me or my uh, producer, Sondra Rogers at sondra.rogers at voiceamerica.com. Tune in again next week as we declassify more real stories from real investigators. Thank you, Mark Husick. It's PIs Declassified. I'm Francie Kaler, and thanks so much for listening. You've been listening to PIs Declassified with your host, Francie Kaler. Tune in every Thursday at noon Eastern Time. That's 9 a.m. for you West Coast listeners. P.I.'s Declassified explores stories of deceit, mystery, and detectives unraveling the truth. Every Thursday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific Time, here on the Voice America Variety Channel. Need to hire a private investigator? Ask for their professional association affiliations. When an investigator asks Francie Kaler about associations, she says to first join a state trade association. Francie belongs to the California Association of Licensed Investigators, or CALI. It's the largest association of its kind in the world. CALI's main focus is networking, training, and legislative advocacy. If you need a detective in California, contact CALI at cali-pi.org or call one 800 350 C-A-L-I. For a national association, Francie's choice is the National Council of Investigation and Security Services, or NCISS. For over 35 years, the council's primary mission has been to represent its members before the United States Congress and governmental agencies. Find the council at NCISS.org or call 1-800-445-8408. NCISS and Cali are great places to look for a qualified private investigator. Tell them you heard it from Francie on P.I.'s Declassified.